to what you need to hear because I don't know what you need to hear. Now, I do believe that my uh, application will be a completely uh, different matter than it was last time, but I want to begin tonight in Romans chapter 10, verses 1 through 4. Paul says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes. Paul is here addressing the most significant problem that he faced in his day with regard to doctrinal truth about salvation. Did you know that's still the most significant problem in the Christian community today? Now, the particular issue that Paul is referring to is different, but the general idea of what the people were confused about is the same as it is today. The Jews were struggling with the idea that they still had to keep certain elements of the law in order to be saved. You may recall that this issue came up in the book of Acts and Peter stood up and said, we believe by the grace of God we shall be saved even as that. Circumcision is not a requirement in salvation. So let's look at these verses and let me put it in some terminology which will show you how this is so applicable to the Christian community today. And when I use the phrase Christian community, I'm just referring to all the different denominations out there that profess to be Christian. Notice in verse 3 what the problem was. They being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Now let me use some terminology that would describe this problem today. There are those that do not understand that Jesus saved His people from their sin. They don't understand that He completed the work and so they are trying to meet the conditions that are required to complete the work. And in the same way Paul said they've not submitted themselves into the righteousness of God, we could say today that there are those that are not standing fast in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. Now, all the people you talk to outside of the Primitive Baptist Church, your friends that are Christian people that go to church and 
are trying to serve the Lord in sincerity, this is probably the main thing that you run into that causes them to be different from you. They don't understand that Jesus saved His people from their sins, so they're going about trying to meet whatever conditions they think are required, and they fail to submit to the truth or accept the truth that Jesus saved His people from their sins. And you see, when you're dealing with counterfeit Gospels, the closer it is to the real thing, the more of a challenge it is to separate it. You see, we don't believe you, you need to accept Christ to get saved from your sins and go to heaven. But we do believe and preach that you ought to accept the fact that Jesus saved His people from their sins. You see, there's a big difference in the two. The one says that your salvation involves your cooperation. And if you don't cooperate with what Christ did, you'll not be saved. The other says that you need to understand, you need to see and be reconciled to the truth that Jesus saved His people from their sins. Now I want to look at this tonight with regard to a particular doctrine. Now when we think about major doctrines in the Bible, we can think of terms like reconciliation, redemption, sanctification, and there are others that we could mention. But almost any major doctrine has more than one application. And what's so important to us as primitive Baptists, if you want to be confident in your understanding of the Scriptures, you need to remember that the foundation for accurately interpreting the Scripture with regard to any of these major doctrines involves you always keeping sight on the foundation that Jesus saved His people from their sins. If you interpret any of those doctrines I mentioned in such a way that uh, it teaches you must do something to be saved, then you're not interpreting it correctly. Amen. Furthermore, if you don't understand that salvation is by grace and that the Lord did it all for you, you're going to either be confused by these doctrines or think the Bible contradicts itself, or both. So I want you to have that in your mind. I know that your pastor has taught you thoroughly that salvation is by grace. God chose the people. Jesus saved them. God sends His Spirit to give them life when it's His pleasure to do so. And heaven is their home. They didn't do anything to become a child of God. They can't sever that relationship. The foundation of God standeth sure having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are His. And Peter said we have an inheritance that's incorruptible, undefiled, and fadeth not away reserved for you in heaven. What a solid foundation. I may mess my life up in many ways, 
that I can go home tonight and say, Lord, I've messed so many things up, but thank you, Lord, that I can't touch my eternal security in Christ. That that's settled and secure. But I want us to think for a little while about the doctrine of justification. The Bible says you're justified by grace. You're justified by blood. You're justified by faith. And you're justified by works. Now either that is clear contradictions or as a major doctrine, it must be rightly divided and correctly applied. Amen. And listen, you'll only be able to have a clear understanding and be satisfied with the way I'm going to divide it and apply it. You'll only be satisfied if you are already, if you have only if you have already accepted that salvation is by grace. Now, the word justify means to declare or pronounce righteous. And the best comparison I know of is, to, is, the, is in the courtroom. If there is someone on trial who is innocent, and the, the, the case is turned over to the jury. And the jury comes back and their verdict is not guilty. Their verdict did not determine their innocence or guilt. They were already either innocent or guilty. In this case, I've referred to them as being innocent. But they're already innocent or guilty. The trial does not in any way make them guilty of the crime. But rather, the evidence is considered. And based on the evidence, the jury can come back and pronounce with confidence that they believe the person is innocent or guilty. Now, sometimes they get it wrong. But we're looking at the norm. We're looking at it as if they always judge correctly. We know that God always gets it right. Now, you need to see that. To justify is not to make someone righteous. It's to pronounce or declare the fact that they already are righteous. So let's ask the question. How did you get right with God? We've already said that we're saved in Christ. But the reason I want to state this doctrine in such a way that you'll see we're justified by the grace of God is so I can then show you what it means to be justified by faith. Because that involves an exercise of your will, doesn't it? You know, some people say, well, I don't believe you're saved by works. 
But I believe you have to accept Christ or you have to believe or you must have faith. And they sincerely don't believe that those things are works. I understand. But Jesus told his apostles on one occasion or some that were asking him, what, can, what shall we do that we might works, work the works of God? And Jesus said, this is the work of God that you believe on him that God has sent. Jesus said, believing is a work. He said, you want to do some work? Believe on me. So Jesus said, choosing to believe is a work. Okay, let's think of justification with regard to our being pronounced right with God because of what Jesus did. First of all, notice where we would be without Jesus. Romans 3.10 says, there is none righteous. No, not one. That's where you would be if it was up to you to justify yourself. Because if you tried to pronounce yourself righteous, separate and apart from what Jesus did for you, then your pronouncement would be a lie. There's none righteous. No, not one. Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 7.20, There is not a just man upon the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. Now he's not saying that no man can do anything that's right or good, but he said you will not find a man anywhere that doesn't sin. In Psalm one. 43 in verse 20. The latter part of that verse says, In thy sight shall no living man be justified. In God's sight, apart from Jesus, the declaration cannot be made that man is just in the sight of God. James 2.10 said, Whosoever keepeth the law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. I don't know about you, but I feel a little bit hopeless on my own. And if you were ever involved in a church at the in the past where you felt hopeless, that was just an evidence that you were feeling the way you're supposed to feel. Because if you are, if the Lord has dealt with you and you're being taught in your mind, hey, if you want to get saved and go to heaven, here's what you need to do. And you're condemned saying, I can't do that. That just means you're ready to know the truth. You're ready to receive the truth about Jesus. Amen. That He saved His people from their sins. But listen to this in Job chapter 9. Now, Job doesn't record the, old, the, the uh, most uh, dated events in Scripture. We know, of course, Genesis begins with the creation. 
But Job is, according to some, the oldest book in the Bible. If not, it's, I'm sure, one of the oldest. And I want you to think about all the truth that you have today from the New Testament that gives you detail about Jesus saving you and consider that in light of how little Job had. Listen to Job chapter 9, verse 2. I know it is of a truth, but how should man be just with God? You ever ask that question? Lord, how can I be right with you? How in the world can things be right between me and you? But I love that first part of the verse. Listen. Job says, Lord, I know it's true. Job had just a little spark of gospel light. You say, where did he get it? I believe God revealed it to him. God gave him some kind of assurance. Though he couldn't quote Scripture necessarily, though he couldn't uh, give a, a reasonable answer to uh, explain why he believed what he did, yet God had given him something where he could say, Though I have no idea how man can be just with God, I know it's true. Amen. Think how long ago Job lived. Probably well over a thousand years. I mean, I don't know how long before Christ came Job lived. A long, long time before Christ came. And Job had the same struggles we do. He says, Lord, I don't see how in the world I can be right with you. But then God assured him, I know it's true. What a blessing that would be for an Old Testament character. Look how blessed you are. You've got all these writings of Paul and the Gospels and the thing Jesus taught and Scripture after Scripture after Scripture that clearly teach the details of your salvation. Job said, I don't know anything about it. I just know that somehow, though the skin worms devour my body, yet in my flesh, I shall see God. When you get to heaven and meet up with Job, we don't know what our conversations are going to be like. But I believe Job could say if he had understanding, and he will in heaven, of course, that he could say, I was an old Baptist and didn't know it. He was, wasn't he? He felt to be a worthless sinner and he couldn't be satisfied in trying to save himself, but he knew that somehow things are going to be right between me and God. If you're bothered about that tonight, look back 2,000 years. There was a way that God made things right, eternally right, between you and Him. Amen. Notice in Romans 8, 29 and 30, and then I want to emphasize verse 33. Here's the word justified used in a 
in a chain, if you will, describing God's overall purpose to save his people from their sins. For whom he did foreknow, then they also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called them, he also justified, and whom he justified them, he also glorified. And he goes on down uh, in verse uh, 33, and notice what he says. Let me turn to that to get it just right. Romans uh, chapter 8 and verse uh, 33. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. God declares things right between you and Him. You don't make things right. If it was up to you, all you could declare would be guilty. I'm forever guilty of the crime. But it is God that justifies who? The elect. The chosen. The predestinated. Those that Jesus died for. They are pronounced right based on what Jesus did. And what did Jesus do? Notice how the term justified is used in Romans chapter 5 and verse 8 and 9. But God commendeth His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I've read a number of, of Bible tracts that have this verse and then they go to another verse somewhere else as to how you can fix the problem. But notice what he says. God committed His love toward you in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And they'll often stop there and say, okay, Christ did His work. Now here's what the Bible says you need to do. But listen to the next verse. Much more than being now Justified by His blood. His blood was shed over 2,000 years ago. And on the basis of His blood being shed, by which Hebrews 1.3 says He purged our sins, His blood was shed and we are pronounced it is declared that things are right between us and God. We are justified on the basis of His blood. His blood, because of what it accomplished, we can be declared not guilty on the merits of the blood of Christ. Aren't you glad it's that way? And then look at Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3, verse 19 and 20. Now we know that whatsoever thing, now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. Based on your performance, you will never be pronounced righteous. If that's what you're depending on. No flesh by the law shall be justified in the sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. 
See, the problem so many have today is they have been taught and believe that I must perform things to be saved and all that does is keep reminding them they're a sinner. Have you ever heard someone say that, well, you know, in the Old Testament, they were saved by keeping the law because the priests would offer the sacrifices every year and that would roll our sins forward. It didn't do that at all. All the law did was kept telling you, you're a sinner, you're a sinner, you're a sinner. You need a Savior. This lamb you're offering is showing that you need the spotless lamb of God. That's what the law was all about. To train God's people, you need a Savior. And then notice verse 23 and 24. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. We're justified based on His blood. And here he uses the word grace. We are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Redemption means to pay a price and get what you paid for. And if you pay a price and you don't get what you paid for, the transaction of redemption has not been complete and it was His blood by which we were redeemed. So we're justified. It has been declared in the courts of heaven that all of God's elect are righteous based on what Jesus did for them. He was their substitute. If a man dies for your sins, he's just getting what he deserves anyway. But Jesus was without sin. God is a holy God. He would not be a holy God if His justice was not meted out. His justice was meted out on the only man that could absorb and satisfy His justice and reconcile us to God. Make things right between us and Him. And therefore, we are declared righteous in and because of Christ. Now, Let's see what the Bible says about being justified by faith. All of you, and especially you young people, need to understand this. The doctrines that are Calvinistic are much more believed or taught today than, I, than they were when I was young. When I was young, the main doctrine that I faced was that God loves everybody. If you want to be saved, you must accept Christ, receive Christ, have faith in Christ, do something. And then once you do that, you are saved and you stay saved. That was what I faced. But you know what? You're dealing with a counterfeit that's better than that. And if the counterfeit is better, it takes more familiarity with the genuine real thing to recognize the counterfeit. And here's what the counterfeit is today in some circles. 
Yes, God has an elect people. Yes, Jesus saved them. Yes, salvation is by grace. But the way God is going to bring that about is He's going to, He's going to cause you to have faith when you hear the gospel and it's by that faith that you're saved. If you don't have faith, you're not saved. And if you have faith today, you'll lose it tomorrow. You never were saved to start with. Now let's see what the Scriptures say about this. Because without the foundation I laid, there are verses that would seem to teach that. So let's look at those. First of all, in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 11. But that no man is justified by the, law, by the law in the sight of God, it is evident. Now that's easy to understand. No man can be pronounced righteous based on how well he can keep the law. And the reason Paul says it is evident is because for hundreds and hundreds of years, man failed to keep the law. It is evident that you will not be pronounced righteous in God's sight based on the law. For the just shall live by faith. Now to justify means to declare righteous. The word just means righteous. And he's not speaking here of right living. He's speaking of your righteous, that you can be declared righteous based on what Jesus did for you. You are just in Christ. And he says the just shall live by faith. Here's what that's saying. It's saying the way we get through life, the way we get through this pilgrim journey, the way we can remain motivated as a Christian is because I keep hold of that faith that Jesus saved me. That gives you that sense of being right with God. You see, there's some of you here tonight that were raised under different doctrines. And see, you were, you're ju you were just as saved then as you are now. It's just you didn't have the knowledge you have now. But the knowledge made a big difference, didn't it? If you were laboring under a doctrine that said you got to perform, you got to live right, you got to persevere in truth, you got to persevere in faith, and if there's any question about how well you're persevering in faith, you must not be one of the elect, that always plants doubt in your mind. But this says the just shall live by faith. All that means is that I'm going around saying, hey, Jesus saved me. That's what I believe. That's how I live. That's how I function. That's how I keep going. Your faith is not what saves you. So many people's faith is in their faith. Our faith is in Christ. We believe He saved us. And me believing that as I'm standing before you tonight helps me get through life. The just shall live by faith. Look at... Uh, Romans chapter 3 and verse 28. Romans chapter 3 and verse 28. 
Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Paul says, here's the conclusion I've reached. I cannot be pronounced right based on how well I keep the law. So we've reached the conclusion that a man is justified by faith. He is pronounced righteous. He has that sense that things are right between him and God because of his faith in Christ. Now listen. How in the world can God pronounce you right in the courts of heaven based on your faith? Your faith doesn't do anything to get things right between you and God. To say that you're justified by faith. And I, I hope you'll remember this. I don't want you to be confused about this. To say that you're justified by faith is saying, I believe that Jesus saved me from my sins and that gives me a sense that things are right between me and God. Primitive Baptists practice what is referred to as closed communion. You know why we do that? Because we want every person taking part in communion to believe the same thing about Jesus. When we partake that unleavened bread and we partake that wine, we're believing the same thing. We're all believing Jesus saved me. My faith in that is what lets me know and feel like things are right between me and God doesn't cause things to be right. The only cause for you being right with God is Jesus bearing your sins in His body on the tree and He rose again for your justification. But I want you to understand it. I want you to know about it. I don't want you to go to bed at night saying, well... Did I persevere in faith enough today to be saved? You're depending on your faith. The faith is not what gives you security. Christ gives you security. And you ought to have faith in that fact. That Jesus saved you. And then look at Galatians 3.24. Galatians 3.24. I love this one. Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. The law was your teacher. The law was your tutor. The law was your schoolmaster to tell you every day, see, you can't save yourself. You see, there's no way you can be saved by the law. The law was just a teacher, a schoolmaster that he says here brought us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. Remember, justifying has to do with announcing or declaring your righteous position before God. And it's only when I'm driven to Christ it's only when I say, hey, He's the one that saved me. That's the only way that I can have that assurance that yes, things are right between me and God. You know, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.20, notice this. And I want you to notice how this has to be rightly divided. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Let's just begin with verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. 
Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new and all things of God. Everything to do with you being a new creature, which is referring to the new birth, it, all of that is of God. All things are of God who hath reconciled us. Now watch this word reconciled. He hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Keep that thought. It says he hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. It's already been done. And then he says he's given us the ministry of reconciliation to wit. That is to tell that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. There it is again. God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. It's a done thing. Not imputing their trespasses unto them. And have committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. Wait a minute. He's already said twice that you already are reconciled. And now he's saying the preacher is calling upon you to be reconciled. Here's the point. God is satisfied with what Jesus did. Don't you dare be dissatisfied with it. God accepted the offering. You accept the fact that God accepted the offering and things are right. You be reconciled to God. What, that's sort of like being justified by faith. God's satisfied with what Jesus did. You need to be. Look at Romans 5. Just got a couple of more scriptures I'm going to look at. Roman, uh, Galatians. Uh, let me get my reference here. Romans chapter 5 and verse 1. Notice how this brings it together. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I may go home tonight and be bothered about some of the things I've done today. You probably will be too. That's evidence that your conscience is up and running like it's supposed to. It's healthy. If you do wrong and it bothers you, you have a healthy conscience. Sensitive to the things of God. But notice what he says here. Being justified by faith. Seeing that I get this sense that things are right between me and God because I believe that my righteousness is based on what Jesus did and what I, not what I did to contribute to it. And having that understanding, I have peace with God. Peace with God. Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, saith your God. I remember, I believe it was Elder Rich that served this church a long time ago saying, that doesn't say scare ye, scare ye, my people. 
It says, comfort ye, comfort ye, my people saith your God. Speak ye comfortably unto Jerusalem. And that's, that's a, a picture of the church. And this applies to the church as, as much as it applied to the Old Testament. Speak ye comfortably unto Jerusalem and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished. Her iniquity is pardoned. For she hath received at the Lord's hand double for all her sins if you will just accept it. Is that what it says? Isn't it amazing how... That's, that's just so illogical to say that, yes, our, 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 our iniquity is pardoned. Our warfare is accomplished. We've received at the Lord's hand double for all our sins, but none of it benefits us unless we accept it. Accepting it that it's the truth will give you rest. But the warfare is over whether you accept it or not. And I just want you to accept the fact that it is over. Your salvation is not left up to you. Now, Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. I mentioned this earlier. Therefore, or rather, he says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. Now, I want you to notice that. Hath made us free is past tense, right? Christ hath made us free, past tense. But you are commanded to stand in that liberty. That means you're made free in Christ. He saved you from your sins. Now you just stand strong in that. Don't let someone persuade you that you have to do something to be saved. And that's exactly what the problem uh, was with the Galatians. Notice as we continue reading here in chapter 5, Behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if you be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. Now notice that. It's just like saying that justification by faith has to do with you understanding that you're righteous before God and that gives you peace. Notice what this says. He says, I testify again to every man that is circumcised uh, that Christ shall profit you nothing. Now does that mean if you're literally physically circumcised you can't go to heaven? No. It's saying that if you are putting your hope in that, you don't need Jesus. In your mind, you don't need Jesus. If, and he goes on to say, uh, verse 4, Christ is become of no effect unto you whosoever of you are justified by the law. Now wait a minute. That says that there are some people who are justified by the law. Well, all night I've been telling you you can't be justified by the law. The point here. There are people that think that. There are people that want it to believe be that way. But he says if you are justified by the law, if you think that's how you get right with God, then Christ is of no value. And furthermore, he says you are fallen from grace. All that means is you once believed in salvation by grace and now you've let someone ensnare you and take you away from it. And now you're caught up again in that bondage of thinking, I've got to keep the law in order to go to heaven. And then finally, I love the story of justification in Luke chapter 18 and verse 10. 
two men went up into the temple to pray. The one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I'm not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. Now, can you imagine being next to another man who you thought was a great sinner and saying, God, I thank you that I'm not a sinner. I thank you, God, that I am not like this old sorry sinner next to me. Well, let's see who God blessed. Let's see who God favored. Uh, uh, the Lord said, I will leave in the midst of the afflicted and poor people, and they shall trust in the name of the Lord. He goes on to say, I fast twice in a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican standing afar off, the man that knew he was a sinner, he stood afar off and uh, would not lift so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Which one do you relate to the best? Do you relate to the one that says, God, I thank you, I'm not a sinner. If you do, please do not join the Primitive Baptist Church. It will, it will be of no value to you. But if you're like that man that wouldn't even look up and all he could say was, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I deserve hell. There is no way things can be right between me and you. But evidently, some truth was communicated to him. Because he says in verse 14, I tell you, this man, that is that publican, went down to his house justified. He realized, hey, things are right between me and God because of Jesus. I understand that. I have faith in that. That's what it means to say you're justified by faith. You get that sense in your own conscience that things are right between you and God. And he says, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. The way up in the kingdom of God is down. What the way down is up. If a preacher promotes himself, he's going down. But if we will humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God and just say, Lord, I want to honor you. I don't know why these things are happening in my life. I don't know why people oppose me. I don't know why that I'm made fun of at school. I don't know why all this is happening. But Lord, just help me to do what pleases you. He will exalt you. Not in their eyes. But you'll have that sense that he's saying, well done, well done, my good and faithful servant.